Hi guys, I'm André Villas-Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, the future is lily white. Come on, your spurs. Hello, and welcome to Season 12, Episode 4 of Echoes of Glory. I'm ASD. And I'm Jack. Uh, a difficult-to-watch win against Wolves, but we're here. We got the point. How do you feel about it? It was all about grinding out that kind of result. I mean, we're quite similar in the fact that I'm sure you took a similar amount of pleasure of like a dogged performance where it's not pretty and it's a set piece and that's how you get the win. It's like it's the Spurs result that we dreamed about being able to do 15 years ago that we we just never would. Um, I was a little bit wary going into the game. I'm not going to lie, because Wolves are they're a tricky team. They're a bit of a funny side in terms of you never quite know what type of Wolves you're going to be up against. There's the, the Wolves that you play that actually they sort of offer nothing in a game and you can score a couple of goals and it's quite comfortable. But then on the flip side, there's the Wolves that we had in the first half, which actually control a game quite well. Maybe don't you know probe and create too much, but are very, very difficult to break down. And um, I was a bit I was a bit worried at halftime, to be honest. Um, I only watched the first half just because I had a game myself. So I, like, I streamed the first 45 minutes on my phone. I was thinking, you know, this this is one of those games that it probably will be nil nil. I was like, but you just hope that Kane, Son, Kulusevski, someone does a bit of magic and you win a game like that. Um, so delighted to get the three points, given that it wasn't pretty and it wasn't it's not going to be a game that makes the end of season highlights real, is it? Let's be honest. But to just get the points and, and just keep that momentum going is huge. It reminds me of like a defender because a defender, the that you don't get many highlights of defenders. Do you know what I mean? And it, it's yeah. just, it, it the, the it's all one in the, in the bitterness in just trying to nail it. And it's a very different, we're doing, we're playing very differently to how Arsenal are at the moment. Like if you think they're all based on emotion, like if if you let let them be happy, they'll just tear you apart. We're, and you know, good luck to them. And they haven't got a difficult game coming for a long time. Um, but when they do, I think they'll they will just fall apart when it doesn't go their way. They're just like the rich kid who's got the nicest boots and who just gets to bully people. But then as soon as someone are in their face, I think they'll fall apart. But I think that there's a bit in my head which is, well, you know, people say we we're winning when we don't play well. Well, two out of three games we've played, we haven't played well, really. Like, and we've the bit is we've been dictated to, and that that yeah. is my biggest worry. Is yeah, we ground it out when we didn't play well, but we haven't played that well really. And the fact that our best players at the moment are our defensive midfielders and our fullbacks that really worries yeah. me. Yeah, like Perisic, what. A, what a quality buy that was. Like that was get him in, get him done. I mean, you can he's just dripping with class. What a man he is. Um, but I, I thought Pentaco was fantastic. And tell you what I thought was fantastic as well. Sanchez. Like we yeah. haven't lost the game uh that Sanchez has been playing in for like seven and a half hours or something. Like he, he's yeah. doing really well. So it, it was a bit frustrating to watch, and there's a bit of me was going, Are we missing that number ten? Like that that person who can just create something for us because at the moment we don't really have a midfield so it, it has to go from back to front quite quickly and that's where we're losing it out that's where we lost it against Chelsea Chelsea just swarmed us um and you have a look at the, the teams you have a look at Newcastle they finished an hour ago like they are high press high energy it, it's quite easy to play against us at the moment so it, it worries me but it also mm-hmm. it worries me that we're just relying on a few quality moments to beat us because yeah. I I don't think they were ever going to win that game, Wolves, realistically. I know they had a couple of chances, but I don't think they were ever going to win it. And, like, if you have a look at... I mean, at halftime, the uh, XG was... For us, it was 0.04, and for them, it was 0.45. So it, it was unlikely that there was going to be a goal. But then in the second half, it finished at... We had 1.8, and they had 0.6. So, like, it, it balanced out in the end, and something happened at halftime. But it does worry me a bit how we're playing to be honest. I'd like yeah. a bit more control. Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing for me is in the in the last couple of games, the Wolves games and the Chelsea games, is tactically the opposition have been very, very smart. At, but they've both basically they've both just had a box midfield around us and Bentico and Hoyberg have found that really difficult because they're getting outnumbered three or four to two. And it's been it's been really challenging for them. And naturally like they're smart players, right? When that happens, they will then not go and press and we'll sit in and we'll be deep. But then as soon as that happens, you, you'll have 35% of the ball. And that was the first half against Wolves. And that was probably the first hour against Chelsea is that we, we struggled with that when teams are just outnumbering us in the middle of the park. So I think it's an interesting one for Conte because 
he obviously believes in the system and he believes in the personnel to be able to understand on the pitch when that's happening and cope with that. But when we've looked at our best so far it has actually been when Richarlison's come on and we've gone to a bit more of a 4-4-2 or we've at least got another body up top so that we, we can just free Kane up a little bit. And I know he's not got on the score sheet yet, Richarlison, but I actually think he's really impacted the games when he's come on because he's someone that is happy to do that high press that you were talking about. And we probably don't really have that. Son, son definitely. But in Kane and Kulusevski, maybe not quite so much. And Richarlison is happy to just run in behind. Yeah. He's almost like he's a footballer that is quite happy to not be involved in any of the link-up plan. Just, I'm just going to make a forward run and stretch and stretch the opposition. And that's been really, really effective for me, actually, to see that. Benton Corey, yeah, he found it difficult against Chelsea last week, which is understandable because, you know, the players that Chelsea have got, like most midfielders are going to struggle with that. But... I thought he was back to his his best against Wolves in terms of, you know, he was great at winning the ball back, passed forward really well. Just it's just got such great composure in the middle of the park. Like when he's being pressed, it's almost like I don't care. It doesn't really bother him. I thought I thought him and Hoyberg did did really well actually. You know, being outnumbered and and being able to deal with that. Um, because very rarely do we actually get another body in there with them. It's sort of like, yeah, you've got a three v two. You're just gonna have to cope with it. Um, so I thought they did really well. But but for me, the, the standout performance defensively was in that right channel. That Sanchez and Romero. Oh, sorry, Sanchez and Royale. Um, with the absence of Romero, like that that made me a little bit nervous. But actually, the two of them together, simple, really. Re- and it's like normally when you watch Sanchez and you watch Emerson Royale, you, you think. They often try and overcomplicate their, their game and they try and do something and you think you can't do that. You know, it reminds me a lot of Eric Dyer two, three years ago, overcomplicating his game, trying to do stuff. And you think, why? You, you know, it's not in your game. I think Sanchez is is that player now. Like, I think he's he's just matured a bit and calmed down. Like We don't see that many mistakes from him. In, no, and no. He's, he's very solid and consistent. Actually, I've got no problems with him. And Emerson, again... There was times, I remember there was a time, a game last year where he was defending and he was, he let the other, he was, he, the other player was closer to the goal than him and he went round the wrong side. I think we conceded a goal from it. And it's it, that sort of stupid positioning. It seems to have been pushed out a little bit. Now, whether that's just because he might be the best that we've got at the minute and we have to, you know, if the, imagine someone with Perisic's quality came on in that position, you go, okay, but actually maybe he did have his faults, but actually he's doing he's doing a job for us at the moment. Do you think we're being forced into that this position because we have to play Sun out wide because he can't play, he's not going to be a number nine, he can't be a number ten, so we have to play him on the right, so we have to play a three at the front to fit him in. Do you think that that's the case at the moment? Maybe. I mean, it's just difficult because I still look at the team. Even, you know, I think Richarlison's been a great buy. Perisic has been a smart move. But I still look at the team and think it's still not fantastic. And it's still like it's Conte that's getting getting us the results still at the moment. And what you were saying a minute ago about, you know, do we lack a number 10? I was like, we probably do lack a creative midfielder. But only if the sort of the formation is going to be flexed a little bit, because it would be pointless going and getting a, a James Madison. Right. Um, just just for hypothetical sake, because it seems like he might be one that teams might be able to get. If you do go and get someone like that, like in this system, which is a very, very rigid system, like where does he play? He's not going to be a central midfielder. He's, he's not someone that plays in a front three. Like he's that sort of more traditional, sort of slightly more advanced midfielder. So it's like, unless you're going to tweak it and play three in the middle of the park, which he may well do, I don't know. But do you need that type of player? Like that, that's that sort of feels like the conundrum we're in at the moment. And it's like if there is that flexibility, then definitely like let's go and get that person. If not. You know, is it going to be another season? Like, I'm positive because we've got Conte and we've got a way of winning and we've got patterns of playing. We're a very structured team now. But in games where we struggle to get our rhythm, how do we win? And that was the game against Wolves. Right. And we won for a set piece, which is fantastic. And. There's definitely been a shift with that since we've brought in, I can't remember the, the chap's name, we've got a set-piece coach now, don't we? I was we? going to bring him up, Specifically, yeah. and we're all of a sudden, we've looked, started looking, it might just be coincidence, who knows, but like we nick a set-piece at Chelsea and we score, we get one against Wolves, and that, is that coincidence? I don't I don't know. Um, but but just going back to what, what my point is really, is wait, like, wait, I still can I, think... Can I respond what, to that? I don't think it is a coincidence that like that Perisic flick onto Kane was definitely planned. And you have a look at, do you remember when Liverpool 
Um, they brought in a, th- a throw-in coach because they saw they were losing. It, it's just about the numbers. And yeah. we're slowly increasing the percentages where we need to and reducing them yeah. down where we don't. What I don't like from the numbers game is it lacks a spark, lacks that humanity and where's that creativity coming from? And for us, it it seems to be the aim is for that creativity, that beating of a person comes from our fullbacks because that, that's where we're creating the numerical advantage. And Perisic and Royale are great, but the, our best players are our front three. And so if they're waiting for the ball from those wide positions, I'm not sure it's going to work as well. I, I also think with that, that we don't necessarily... Cause I'll think about games we struggle, right? And mm. it's when it's either when we've got a fair bit of the ball and teams are sort of camped fairly deep and we're struggling and you're you're trying to play that ball through the eye of a needle and it's difficult. And I sometimes look at that and everybody goes, you need, you know, you need that creative player that can play that pass. And sometimes I think actually you need someone that's good one v one and can go past someone in those areas because it's so difficult to play one and two touch like on the edge of the box unless you've got players the calibre of, you know, Bernardo Silva and Kevin De Bruyne. You know, they're players that realistically you can't go and get right sometimes I just think someone that's got a bit of individual flair and can go part a Wilfred Zaha do you know what I mean someone like that that could just beat a man and then all of a sudden you've created yourself a new opportunity and I sort of think the way we play that might be the kind of player actually that could bring more to our side than that sort of more creative midfielder that's going to control the tempo of the game because I just don't think we necessarily play like that well Perisic beat I mean, what I'm saying, he's he beat a man. You're saying someone needs to constantly beat a man, but I would say Kulu does that, and or Deki, uh, Sun can do that. I've got big hopes for Basuma as well. So, um, but I know what you mean, and it, it's all about creating that numerical advantage. Like realistically, this was an awful time to play Wolves because they don't have a decent striker, and they've got two new two new signings to go away to a yeah. team who finished top four. They're always going to play very, very defensively, yeah. and it, it, it's very difficult. Any team struggles against that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but what I, I do like is that Conte this season he has been happy to change a system mid-game, and yeah. that was my only, definitely not criticism of him last year, but that was my only question mark, which is like, are you so set on we have to play like this that you will never deviate? But actually, there's been points in all three games this season where he's either changed personnel or changed formation, mm. and he's actually like meddled with the game. You know, rather than, oh, it's not working, we'll take Kulazevsky off and we'll put Mora on. And it, yeah, it's yeah. exactly the same thing. It's like, actually, no, I'm going to completely rip it up and we're going to play four at the back and I'm going to go two up. To, like, he's not been afraid to do that so far, which I think is the sign of a really, really strong manager that's not afraid to say, this is not working. Yeah, that was... More, that was the worst game for Mora. What, you know, <laughs> he would have not been right for that game. Man. But unfortunately, like, you know, we we were just saying before we started recording that we think back to the first three games of last season with Nuno and we won them all. And, you know, like that was that feels like a long time ago, a long, long time ago. And it just it goes to show that, you know, how the other lot down the road have started the season. All well mm. and good. You can only win what's in front of you. That's great. But I'm still not convinced. I mean, it's worth remembering once again that that's seven points now we didn't get last season. So we are plus seven on last season. We're unbeaten in our last nine games. We scored 20, five goals conceded, five clean sheets. It's not it's bad. It's really good. <laughs> it's really, really good. really good. And like if the you mentioned it earlier, it's like with the manager feels like a player in that he is making a, a big difference. Um, and it's same with Richarlison. I was thinking of Richarlison because he makes a massive impact whenever he starts. And I don't think he's an impact player. I think he should be starting soon. But you think about back to the strikers, because we haven't had two strikers since the days of what, like Adebayor, Defoe, Pav, like that Crouch, like yeah. that era. We haven't had two strikers. You think of the ones we tried to have, mainly Jansen and Soldado. Just hasn't worked. Oh, I, sorry. Sorry. We've also had um, Lorento, to be fair, did a job for us. Yeah. But you have a look at the impact Richarlison's having already on the shape, on what he does when he's actually on the ball. It's it's already way more than Janssen and Soldado yeah. had. Yeah. And so I've, I'm really excited to see what he can do. And he's just a young man. So I, I'm really excited for the future. And I think we've got Forrest next Sunday, 4.30 yeah. kickoff. That's going to be a really interesting game. Yeah, um, tactically as well with, you know, Forrest play with wing backs, don't they? Similar system to us. Um, and... Nico Williams, isn't it? Who seems to Nico start Williams. pretty well there. He looks good. I said this last year. Played for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Needs game time. I, I'm, I, I'm, I know about him more. I'm trying not to be as biased this year, but he's a good player. Yeah, he's, he's always, looked good so far. Yeah, and he did well. Obviously, 
they almost did Everton yesterday. Uh, yeah, they almost did Everton yesterday. But that first touch from uh, who scored for Everton? My my brain. Right, is... Damari Gray. Oh, that first touch reminded me of Delhi. Reminded yeah, me of yeah. Delhi. That yeah, long yeah, ball from the definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Forest would have been gutted with that though, wouldn't they? Like, absolutely. also, what do you make of the the Gibbs White transfer to Forest? A lot of money, isn't it? They have. They don't even have a sponsor on the front of their shirt. I don't know how they're doing this with FFP. I like. I don't know where they're getting this cash from. Their um, their kit is so strong, Forest. It is absolutely stunning kit. It's like I think there's quite a lot of nice kits around this season, but that Forest one, just that red with no sponsor, the bad. It looks fantastic. Yeah, it really does. Um, so Forest, the easy way to get a Forest, I mean, not. I think Newcastle played them last week, is just get in the face, like just pressurise them. We're not doing that at all. We just seem to start very slowly. We're not high energy. We're not pressing people. As soon as we start pressing them down, I think we can absolutely smash them. But I mean, I said this about Wolves, but I, I don't think they they are as rigid as some like Wolves. I, I agree. And I think that, that Forest will try to win the game. Steve Cooper is a type of manager that like he'll look at how can I win this game? Not mm. let's get a draw, be conservative. You know, you know newly promoted sides they're normally you normally go into those games thinking this could be quite awkward. But actually all three of them that have come up, Fulham, Bournemouth and Forest, you don't get the impression there's going to be any sort of like really defensive, tough to break down sides. They've almost gone with do you remember when Blackpool come up and they were like, we're just going to go gun ho and we're just going to try and win 4-3. But like they're trying to win games, which, to be honest, I think gives them a greater opportunity of potentially staying up. Because yeah. if you win, if you win nine or 10 games, you've got a great chance then to stay up. And yeah, actually, yeah. like going into those matches like that, the likelihood is you're probably going to win more. Um, so it's going to be a difficult game just because when you play a newly promoted side at their place early in the season, like they're obviously all going to be up for it. Um but you'd like to think our quality in a game like that will shine through and we should be coming away three points. If we can, if we can win that game, what a fantastic start. I mean, three wins and a draw from the opening four would be would be brilliant. Yeah, you beat your hand off for that. And like, I look at their team, like that Brennan Johnson, again, Welshman up front, he's going to be a star. He's a young man, but he's going to be really good. But like, I don't, I've never thought Lingard was any anything decent he's their creativity you can shut him down really easily they're effectively playing a back seven which is what we do you know the three at the back with the two fullbacks and the two in front of the the center backs I think we're just better than them and I think it, we yeah. may even win through just attrition and it may just be a one nil again and it might be a bit squeaky bum time but it, it we can't be losing this I don't think. yeah yeah no I agree I agree with you anything other than three points do you know what I mean? It's like, it's you know, be you've got, you need, these are the games you need to be winning, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, loads of football has happened. It's gone a bit crazy. Like, Arsenal look really good. And I, they haven't played anyone. Like, their emotions are high. They're feeling really good. But they look sharp. Jesus looks amazing. Um, Odegaard looks good. But I can't wait for him to play someone decent. They have not got a difficult game. We talked about this last week, didn't we? For ages. So, I don't know what... what yeah. Yeah, but the the only the only sort of counter. So so I agree with that. And it's like you're three games in. They've who have they beaten? They beat Bournemouth, Leicester. Palace, and and Leicester, right? You still have to win those games completely. Mm. So you have to give them credit for that. But like, they're three games. Like if you said to me, you know, we're going to beat those three teams, I'd be like, oh yeah. So you know, without sounding too, you expect to win those matches. You still do have to go and win them. The interesting thing will be everybody's saying, oh, you know, oh, it's an easy start. Um, they've not got anyone until October. Well, by that logic, they should probably be top. And it's like it would just be interesting to see if like they can continue. So, and like you say, when something goes wrong in a game, which hasn't That's happened it. to them yet, they've been. If they beat Palace, was it two 0 They. they yeah. So like there's not been a point where they've been a goal down or two goals down in the game. And it's like, how do you recover from that? Especially like, you know, letting an early goal in away from home or something like how do you recover from that? So we'll see what happens. But all you can say about them so far is they've not played anyone, but they've beaten convincingly. So you have to say credit where credit's due for the minute. But you can't get carried away with anything with three three games into the season. This time last year, we had Nuno. We'd won our first three. We hadn't conceded a goal. And we were thinking, oh, here we go. This is going to be great. Like, And look how quickly it turns. So you can't get too carried away. On the flip side, fantastic to see West Ham with 100% start to the season as well, isn't it? Um, mm. Just at the wrong end for them. Um, 
they look I watched some of their game today against Brighton and they, they did not look good at all. I tell you what, Declan Rice, right? Ama- amazing player. Brilliant player. He, his body language, like, is not good. And like that's your captain. And it's mm. like he must be he must be he must be getting frustrated. You know, on this pod we like to try and bring stuff back to sort of our everyday jobs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've all been in jobs or in teams or around people that frustrate you because like they're they're not great or they're just not giving everything and that's the body language that he's given off at the moment he's just mm. frustrated and I don't know if he wants to leave I don't know what it is but he doesn't seem as sort of happy and excited and all that to be West Ham captain the heart of their team as what he did last year so be interesting to see what happens there but um brilliant to see them at the bottom absolutely brilliant yeah yeah, yeah. And it's a bit mad isn't it United obviously play tomorrow night we're recording Sunday night um Newcastle wave of emotion just drew with City. Also, if if United beat Liverpool tomorrow, they go above them. It, it's like, such, do you know I what know I mean? Like, how how mad is that? They are. I mean, they've got a potential um, midfield of Casemiro, Eriksen, and Bruno Fernandez, which sounds world class. I just I've got very little confidence in that because so I think Casemiro is going to be found out because he's had two of the best midfielders in the world next to him for seven years. I'm um, I'm honestly like. He's a, he's been a brilliant brilliant player for Real Madrid, but I would say and I don't want to take anything away from him individually. I think there's a lot of players you could put in that position at Real Madrid, like you say with Cruz and Modric around them, and they'll look quality. The well, different, I think Hoiberg could do that job. But coming, you know, coming into this United, he, the, the thing is, I think the issue he's going to have Casemiro is that he's he's signed, and United are going to be thinking right, we're going to all of a sudden start controlling games and we've got, you know, a brilliant midfielder. It's like, he's not that type of midfielder. Like, he, he's really not. He'll give you energy and he's aggressive. He can win the ball back, you know, and he's a, he's a good player. But he's not going to be one that's going to be dictating play. And he's just that's just not him. So I think the, the difficulty they're going to have is managing that expectation for sure. Um, he's 30 years old, isn't he? They give him a four-year deal on... The, 350 grand a week. You know, it's just... There's been a lot of stuff, isn't there, about United the last few weeks about their recruitment policy and that they've signed players that are too old and they've all, everyone, Gary Neff, they've all been moaning about it. They've signed Casemiro and everyone's gone, what an amazing signing. And I just look at that and think, yes, he's a great player, but this is the same model of players they've been signing for the last 10 years. Like, are they stupid for all of a sudden thinking this is the game changer? Like, I don't quite understand that. Mm. Um it's a lot of money for someone of that age. That's all I would say. Like, I can't think in the last decade of many 30-year-olds that have had a big money move and it's worked. No. So I think they've taken a massive gamble by doing it. So time will tell. Um, does that mean that the De Jong stuff's not going to happen for them now? I guess so. He, he just does not want to go to them. Like, he, he just doesn't want to... Okay, so the top, thir- the top 10, 30-plus... Um, move. So we've got Ronaldo from Real Madrid to Juventus for 117 million. Where, where does that money come from? Batistuta went from Fiorentina to Roma um, and he got a Serie A so title. Chris Wood gone from Burnley to Newcastle. But that, I feel that was more taking Burnley's yeah. goals away from yeah. Newcastle. Um, there's a few others, Milito and Samoletto and stuff like that. But um, there's not it's, it doesn't give you confidence, does it? That, that type of no. signing is going to be positive. Um, no. And to give him such a long contract as well, it's like I don't know. Um, uh, Michael Dawson was on Sky at the weekend, and he was sort of saying, if you're going to give all that money for Casemiro, why are you not going off to Declan Rice? Sixty mil probably wouldn't get him, but if you can afford that and you can afford three hundred fifty grand a week across four years. You can probably yeah, go and yeah. get Rice, who's what is he, twenty two, twenty three, like that's it. You know, like room to grow. You know, all of that. It just seems a bit. It seems a bit FIFA career mode kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I need a player who's the highest rated. I'll just go and buy him. That's yeah. the sort of kind of vibes I'm getting. Yeah, because you're not United. Well, Ferguson did a job. You know, they bought Rio Ferdinand. They bought Rooney. Go out, find the player you want. Buy, just get him in, and then make him the heart of your team for ten years, and yeah, and it works. 
and you're right, like they're gonna they're they're gonna spend silly money because everyone knows they need players. And I reckon they're gonna like that. He was their fifth signing of the season. Like just do one signing, and make it Declan Rice because if you've got him at the heart of it, then suddenly Bruno Fernandez and Eriksson working with Declan Rice makes far more sense than uh, Casemiro passing to McTominay and Fred. It's and tell you what, Man United look more and more like actually. It was a Ferguson, like they were just a vehicle for Ferguson rather than the other way around. Like they're they're not, it, it, they're just not a big team anymore. And I think the media and the fans need to get on with it. But it's it funny. Make, it does make you think, though, doesn't it? Like, and you can even chuck Arsenal into this as well with Wenger. That like the model in football for having someone long term, like it's not good. Mm-mm. You can have the success when they're there, but if you're genuinely thinking about a football club over like a 30, 40 year period, like when that person goes, like, yeah, I feel like you used to say this all the time, didn't you? When you hear um, Giggs and Neville and Skulls talking about football, that it's almost like, obviously you listen to them, but you sort of have to disregard what they're saying because their experience is just not normal. Different. Yeah, it's yeah. not normal. It's just a complete, you know, and, one in a lifetime thing. Yeah. And they, it's worth saying as well, they were doing it when football was, moving from being pro but what we would see now as semi-pro to being professional like it was complete advancement and development and so everything was changing all around them so it's far easier to get order out of chaos within that I think it's far more difficult to do what they did now so I think they just need to move on like like Gary Neville's getting quite boring now because I think you said it like he he's, he's just a fan now he's not doing as much great punditry it's just him being miserable and a bit snippy about man united and he's just a bit like move on mate like like you're turning into bloody wobby savage like it's just a yeah. bit cringe i just don't like listening to him when it's anything united or liverpool yeah no because it, it's it's like us right we're talking about if we're talking about tottenham and Arsenal. you you just can't you can do the best possible job you can at trying to keep your bias out but you can't there's just no way of doing it but united's an interesting one because I think I said it at the start of the season. How patient will they be with Ten Hag? Because they should be patient with him and they should give him a fair crack. But wh- where's that line? If they lose their next four or five games and they've played seven, lost seven, like at what point do they say, you know what, no? Um, and I think tomorrow night's game against Liverpool, I don't want to say it's decisive for him, but it could be decisive for him. If Liverpool went there, and Liverpool have not had a good start to the season whatsoever. Mm. If Liverpool went there and hit them for four or five, he'd be a, a, he'd have to do an incredible job to turn that around. I think at that point, because that would be three games, three defeats, and you would have just been thumped by Liverpool and Brentford. You know, it's I a tough. So. I think it's the toughest job in football at the moment. Man United job. It is, and I I I think you'll have it until at least Christmas because they they will not want to pay the money to get rid of him. I think it's a purely financial decision. It's, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how it all plays out for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. But we'll have played them after they've had bought all these new players, and hopefully those new players won't have gelled. But um, we're talking about other players, Delhi going to Turkey. Like, my heart bleeds for him because the, there hasn't been a bigger crash, really, of a footballer oh, in awful, years. And for me, it just stinks of like there's something, something up, something seriously is up there where I don't know. It, it's either that he was just like the young startup. And no one had any expectations of him and he could just be free. Or and now he has to be more disciplined, or there's something wrong in his head. And I'm it, it feels like the latter because even Poch, I mean, I was with a friend on the weekend, Owen, uh though I know his big listener, so hi Owen. And he was talking about Poch wanted to get rid of him. So it, it this has been coming for a while. I just I feel for him. Tough, isn't it? It's a real tough one. I, I, I heard somebody I might have I might have even read something online about it saying that is it just a motivation thing like where well like when he was coming through he needed football like he mm. needed it like and that was the thing that changed the course of his life and all that and it's like it's given him everything that he could have ever have dreamed of and it's sort of like he's now got it so it's like it's obviously not going to mean quite as much so uh, I think I think it was a Spurs article that was saying the similarities with um Asilicotto. do you remember that just actually didn't have that love for football and it's like, again, bringing it back to our jobs, like if you're not interested in the job you're in, you're not going to be a top performer. Yeah. Like you're just not. And like that just might be him. You know, he might just be one of those players that the best football that he'll ever play was between the ages of 19 and 22, 23. And the game's changed and just not meant to be for him anymore. It's such a shame because I genuinely I thought 
that see that last season at White Hart Lane, I thought he could go on to be one of the best players in the world. Like mm. I, I genuinely believe that because I was just like he was never a player that controlled games, but he just knew how to put the ball in the back of the net. And it's like that's the hardest bit of football with scoring and assisting, and he was just so good at it. And to yeah. see to potentially see him going out to Turkey, just, like I don't know. I, I think I, I don't want to write him off because there's still that one percent in me that's like he just needs the right moment but how does he get his career back if he goes out to turkey like i don't see how he does yeah 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 it's mad isn't it because you think that deal that we did with everton was basically we're going to get rid of you for free and we're going to have a couple of qualification things where then you start to uh you start to pay based on appearances and that that some everton fans were saying to me that actually that that's probably the reason why they've made their move now is because actually He's just about to hit one of their appearance bonuses where he then we they then have to pay money to us. But it's just so sad and cynical. But t- I tell you what, it makes me think of so Scorsese, you know, Goodfellas and films like that. All yep. of his gangster films, all of them are in thirds. The, the first is The Rise. And that's the really exciting bit where you, the gangster's getting bigger and you're rising, you're getting bigger and everything's happening. Then you've got the established middle thirds where... He sort of peaked and actually you see younger, more hungry people coming through and, you know, you expected to maintain rather than to grow. And then you always have the massive decline. That's basically the Delhi arc that we're seeing at the moment. And it, it does make me sad. On to happier things, though. It's the Champions League draw on Thursday. I've got the pots in front of me. I just want your opinion. So pot one and pot two are quite easy because they're, they're decided. So we could get Real Madrid, Frankfurt, AC Milan, Bayern Munich, PSG, Porto or Ajax. Any names that you want to avoid, would, that you want to I get? Would, I'd love... So, I think maybe I, I might be different to, to most fans in this, that, like, I want to see us play the top the sides. Teams. yeah. And we, we've we not played PSG. And from a selfish point of view, I've never seen Mbappe play. I've not seen Neymar play either live. I've, I've been lucky enough to see Messi. But, like, I'd love PSG. That would be fantastic. Like, you know, I, that would be... To see Messi... At the ground, like that would be uh, an absolute amazing thing. I, I didn't, I wasn't at the game when we played Barcelona at Wembley a few years ago, but I went to see Barca, you know, on on a holiday and that. But like to see Spurs playing Messi for me would be absolutely amazing. So PSG from from pot one for sure. Um, I'd I like to avoid. Verratti. I'm putting Verratti in there as well. Oh, I love yeah. Verratti and just what because yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he he pulls the strings. Yeah. Logically, you'd want to avoid Real Madrid. Madrid in the Champions League Munich. is just like, you know, yeah, and, and buying a, a particularly strong. So you probably want to avoid them. Um, to be fair, I mean, it, it it's not the strongest pot one in the world. Like Ajax, Porto, Eintracht Frankfurt, even AC Milan. I'd fancy yeah. us. I'd fancy us in them games. I mean, yeah, if we're going for ease, I'm going for Frankfurt. I'd love AC Milan, like a big historical club that I think we can beat, like go San Siro. I would love to go to San Siro. Just a big, sexy team. We used to, when we used to do the podcast 11 years ago, um, we used to go and do it in uh, the offices of a company called Perform, who are now DAZN, actually. So before DAZN was Perform, we used to do it um, because Don worked there. And it the meeting room had one wall that was just a massive photo of the inside of uh, the San Siro, and it was it it okay. was really cool black and white picture. Okay, pot I two. Think I, I think Ajax is the weakest in that pot, by the way. I'd be quite happy if we got them over Frankfurt or Milan. Yeah. Frankfurt won the Europa League last year, didn't they? Yeah, but they're all right. Yeah. But I think Ajax would be comfortable. Uh, yeah, I. <sighs> That would be an interesting game because I, I I work with someone who's an Ajax fan and he he remembers that game you know but that, and that's the point you're you're making like if I remember all the big games I've got that memory of you know we played Dortmund a couple of times recently haven't we and we've beaten them um and they're great memories they're really yeah. good memories uh, and you don't really remember the smaller teams unless something weird happened like a Rabona happens it's the big you know Tottenham yeah. we beat. Real Madrid 3-1, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. Uh, pot 2, we can't get Liverpool or Chelsea, but there's Barcelona, Juve, Atletico Madrid, Sevilla, Leipzig. Uh, oh, we're in it, so we can't get anyone from there. That is a tough group, that one. Liverpool, I, I would, I, honestly, argue I'd that argue that's that pot, pot 2 one. is stronger. Yeah, I really would. So it's probably a good thing we're in there. Yeah, yeah. Pot 3, now this is where it gets awkward because pot, I think 
So I'll read, I'll read the teams to pot three. So it's got Borussia Dortmund, Red Bull Salzburg, Shakhtar Donetsk, Inter Milan, Napoli, Sporting, Bayer Leverkusen. But uh, I think is it Dynamo Kiev? Yeah, so if Benfica beat Kiev, they go into pot three. If not, Rangers will go into pot three if they get over PSV. So potentially it's also Dynamo mm-hmm. Kiev or Rangers. I bloody love Rangers. I'm not going to lie. But any others? Any others? There's some there's some dangerous sides in that pot, to be totally honest with you. Like I know we've we've got a decent record against Dortmund, but that's a tough game. Sh- Shakhtar are always a team to Ugh. avoid. Yeah. Like, that's a, you know, Inter would be tasty, wouldn't it? Just, just for the Conte factor, yeah, um, yeah. but there, there, you look at that and you think oh, all of those games are going to be awkward. Even like Sporting, like Napoli are good. To, there's, there's good teams in that, and you know normally you look at pop three and pop four and think most of the time there's some whipping boys there, and it's like it's actually there's some quite straightforward ties, but that looks tough. That really that does. Tough. Really looks tough. They've got that Kim Min Jae the um, Korean defender that we were after oh, for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. And have they still got that really short player? Uh, oh, I can't remember what his name is. I, on FIFA, like three or four years ago, they had a really short player who used to shine. Insignia. The, it was rapid. Oh, yeah, and yeah, really, yeah. He's like five foot three or five foot four, and he's like, he's really small. He's really short, but he plays for oh, Toronto That's now. He's, he's oh, older. Yeah. So then I want Rangers out of that group. Just go up there, smash them. And then pot four, we've got, uh, well, Marseille could have been one of those. And let's say pot four, we've got Marseille, Club Bruges, Celtic, and then there's loads of Quarabag. It's nice to see them again. Mm-hmm. Victoria Plezin, Bodo, Glimp, Zagreb, Haifa, Red Star, Copenhagen, Transaspor. Uh, that's there. So the I think the tricky one, um, I mean, they will take is there any you're desperate to avoid? I'd avoid Marseille. Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, I sometimes feel like someone like Marseille is not the worst tie in the world. It's those those teams where it's got a lot of like a Europa League vibe to it. Do you know what I mean? Where you just go away. It's it's not a great pitch. They've just got 11 men behind the ball and someone rapid up front and they're just playing on the counter. So sometimes I think a slightly more football inside from pot four is actually a better thing. Um, but I, I, there's not too much there that really worries me in pot four. But I just think, obviously, the team that we get in pot one and the team we get from pot three, like, they're going to be tough games. Like, I, I genuinely, I, I don't think that there'll really be a group this year that you look at and think, oh, that's easy. No. But I think that there could be some surprises. Mate, and Marseille are basically Arsenal, Sanchez, and they've got Payet as well. Um, they've got Guendouzi, that Tavares is there as well. They've got, I think it was our old keeper, Paulo Lopez is there. Oh, yeah. And they've got a few decent players there, but this is the one, this has to be the six-point team. 100%. Uh, that, and and this, the thing is in the Champions League group, isn't it? If you can win your three home games, which is asking a lot because you're playing, you're playing at least one giant side. If you win your three home games, you probably get through. So we just got to make yes. sure that we have that the, the lanes rocking for those um for those home ties. Oh, they will be. There will be. I think the one is pot three, isn't it? Because one and one we're in two, and then three is the one which may cause us challenges. Because we want to. You want to. If you finish second, you then finish the first seed from the another group. So mm. ideally, you need teams, two teams that you can smash. Um. Oh, it's just I, I love the Champions League. I it's great to be back in it, isn't it? it it's really great in it, and like Matt, because of the way the the cha- the um World Cup is like we're basically playing twice a week now for the until the World Cup. Man City have got a charity game against Barcelona in, on on Wednesday. They're flying to Spain like now or tomorrow morning. They're playing Barcelona for charity. Like I don't know if the charity is Barcelona because they've got yeah. the money, <laughs> but I that don't is know. weird, right? That um, is really weird. So I was with Owen. We we're watching the game because we're we're bloody lads. And he he said he had a question for the pod, which he's going to send to me. And he's like, "What is your starting eleven for the first game of the World Cup? Just your England starting eleven? Wales is pretty much selects itself, right? So we won't talk about that. But I think this is quite difficult, really, because actually once you get into the detail, so who's your keepers? You've got what Pickford, Pope, Ramsdale, maybe? Yeah, you. T- I'm not a massive John Pickford fan, but. For England, he's delivered. Never let England and, down. And the, and the, and this is where it's tricky, isn't it? But but for England, he's always been solid. So you probably would go for Pickford. I do really like Nick Pope as a goalie. Ramsdale's but, pretty good as well. 
Yeah, I'm I'm still the only thing about Ramsdale is I still think he's got that moment of madness in him, which most young goalkeepers do. But I, I really, really like Nick Pope, but you've got to try and be logical and think Pickford's been the England goalkeeper for for a few tournaments now. Like you know what you're gonna get from him, that the defenders know him, so it's like logically you you probably would stick with Pickford. Right. Can you tell me what your um your formation is as well? Or should we just work out as we go? I mean You'd probably play. I mean, so I know Southgate likes a back three, doesn't he? With England's centre back problems, the 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 the, the big Achilles heel for England is defensively, is that we really really struggle with centre halves. Um, I pre- personally would go with a back four. Yeah, I think prob- there's a there's a problem before uh, keeper and then strikers. You're fine, and then mid. Well, I don't know. I think there's problems all over the pitch, really. So right back is. Alexander Arnold, right? That's a that's a given. Yeah, or you, Walker, you, you're fine. Yeah, right back. It, it's one of the two. Although watching Walker this afternoon and seeing him the last few months, like who his legs starting to go a little bit, you'd think mm, maybe they. I mean, but you'd probably go with Trent. But you know, there's a, you've got Trippy, you've got Reese James. We're, we're blessed with right backs, um, back. so we're, we're fine there. Left back, if he keep, if he's fit, I'd go Ben Chilwell. Chilwell over well. Target, sure. No, sure, sure is probably your second choice. But well, to be honest, even at tournaments, like when Trippi has played left back, he's been excellent for England. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if there's something like that that goes on, but I, I'd probably go Chilwell. Right then, your centre backs, you're going three or you're going two? I've, I personally would probably go with two, but this is where the, the issue is. Um, John Stones. John Stones, you? John Stones. Um, I like John Stone. The other one, this is the this is the problem England have got because it's like again, Maguire's been good for England, I and people have. people forget that. People do forget that, but like his club form is so poor. Like what I struggle to see is how does a player that is clearly shot of confidence go from week every week being at Man United and, and struggling? How do you chuck him into an England team and expect everything to be different overnight? Like. I don't, I don't know how that can happen. My other centre half. We well, got Dyer. If, if I'm playing a back four, I wouldn't have him. So I mean, the options what Connor Cody, that Mark Wayi, Tamori maybe. Tamori, he's doing really well, isn't he? In, in Italy, you'd but, probably look at you. Probably, I'd probably look at Tamori there and just think, not only is he a good defender, like the way that England want to play, which is sort of like quite fast paced you know high pressure football you need you need your back four to be relatively quick if you're going to have a high line and tomorrow it's absolutely rapid isn't it but so I'd probably look to go with that but that's the the biggest issue there do you know what I mean and you can see why Southgate over the last couple of seasons has been like I need to play a back three because I just don't trust I don't trust my centre backs if we do go with a back three Eric Dyer's got to be in the squad I think so he's got to be uh, right then, your midfield now. So you've got a back four. So I'm assuming this is going to be another four. Or you going uh, to I'll probably go four, three, three. Probably. Okay, so, so, who, so you've got your three. You go in with Declan Rice, I'm assuming, is in there. Yeah, um, again, he needs to play football a little bit more. But Calvin Phillips, every single day of the week, he's such, really? an, such an underrated player. So, But then where's... Because I would be putting Mountain Grealish in there. Grealish doesn't doesn't start for me. Oh, really? So what are you yeah. going, Calvin Phillips, I'd have, Rice? I'd have Phil- huh? Phillips, Rice, and oh, it's, it's a tough, I really like Bellingham. I really, really like Bellingham. I think he's fantastic. But I'd probably, for the minute, have Mount just ahead of him. Just. But that's a that's a toss-up. So they'd be my three central players. Obviously, Kane up top. Yeah. Um, F- Foden, Foden off of one Foden side. And, and then... Sterling. Saka, maybe. I'd, I'd probably lean to Sterling. So this is but this is the point, right? That this doesn't fill me with like this is what a World Cup winning team looks like or a semi final team think, looks like. I don't honestly like I don't I I don't expect England to go far in this tournament. Um I even look at the group stage and I think Wales will be a tough game because like we know yeah, how you will. play. America will be a tough game. Like in tournament football as well. If you think back, you, you, there are not many group stage games where t- where you just smash someone three four nil. Like it no. doesn't happen. They're always slower games. It's always like you're very reliant on set pieces. It's one nil or two. They're tight games, and I think that really doesn't suit England because I don't fancy defensively still. 
that England game, that USA game is the big one because you've got Iran first, which you assume. Yeah, you'd assume we you win. Assume that that's you would. The, and then, because if you win the USA, it doesn't matter what happens against Wales, unless you're just yeah. playing. It, that USA game will be absolutely massive. Seven o'clock on the, I'm looking at 25th November. God, I don't think Wales are going to do that well because like, we're a lot older. Like we think when you think of the great Wales team, it hasn't changed that much. There's a lot of yeah. younger players who are playing for bottom half of the Premier League or Championship or even lower teams. And then you've got like Joe Allen, who literally can't. He's slower than Choluka now. Yeah. Ramsey, who can flap his lines a little bit, and Bale, who can't. He's a golfer now. He just takes shots from where he's a bit Huddleston now. So I, I don't think we're going to be that great. I think the important thing for you is to just not lose your opening game. If you can just avoid defeat in that first game and just basically hang on in it because then I assume you've got Iran second then of you yeah, yeah so it's like for you like get a draw against America beat Iran and then you've got a really really good opportunity um, because let's say England go out and we beat Iran and we beat America we will then make changes for that last game if we're already through do you know what I mean it's like we'll make one or two and it's like you might only then need to draw to get for and it might not mean as much so I think that the way the fixtures have fallen it could be all right for Wales but that first game you know if you if you get beat by America then it, it would look it look like it'd be tough then for you to get out of the group because you'd probably yeah, really have to hard. you'd probably have to beat England which yeah, could yeah. Ha- it could happen but it's asking a lot but I don't see England doing that well in this tournament if, it feels like the last two tournaments we've had an amazing opportunity to win something and we've not quite done it and it's still the same group of players and they're just all a little bit older and it's sort of, it's it's the same thing again. And you just think if we haven't been able to do it and all the other sides have got a little bit better, I don't know. I just, I just don't think it's going to be as an amazing tournament for us as what some people were thinking. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be so weird, isn't it? Like you finish the World Cup and then suddenly you're straight into just back. You're just straight well, back boxing in. Boxing day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Boxing yeah. days, the Premier League. So isn't there four days between the final and then the Premier League returning? Is which mad. is just like, how is that, like, how does that work? Which does make me think that if you can start the Premier League season well and just hang on in there near the top up until when the World Cup is, you've got yourself a really good opportunity to solidify yourself as a top four side again. Because the second half of the season this year is going to be weird from the mm. World Cup. There will be weird results. There'll be injuries. There'll be players that are lose form, players that are burnt out. Like it will be weird the second half of the season. So we've just got to try and hang on in there as much as we can. Yeah. I, well, the, interestingly, the next so that we're, we're we're all in Group B. Group A is Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands. Which actually, first or second in that you'd assume is Netherlands and Ecuador or Senegal winnable. Yeah. And but then in the other half you've got Argentina, Mexico, Poland, and Saudi Arabia. That's going to be tough facing whoever that is from there. And then you've got France, who's that? Denmark, Turkey, and Australia, I think. So you see France and Norway make it out then. So it's it's tough either way, isn't it? Yeah, I, I just think that I could see England getting out of the group, getting through the first knockout game, but then I think I could see us then getting unstuck at that second knockout game. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Lots of football. I think there's just going to be lots of football like in the in the coming weeks. So lots to chat about. Um, predictions for Nottingham Forest. Give me a score. Um, I think we'll win, but I don't think it'll be easy. I think two one. Yeah, I th- I think two nil or one nil. You know, I, th- I think it'll be a bit tighter. I could just say fancy league. I still need to join our league. I haven't got the code. I need to sort it out. I got sixty nine points this week so far. So. Decent, I'm, I'm not going to send you the code then. <laughs> I'm just going to leave you out of it. Uh, who's top? Let me have a quick look. I've not had the best week, but I've I've got Van Dyke and Salah playing tomorrow night. So Van Dyke will get you loads of points, won't he? You know, um, or oh, Van is right up there all of a sudden. Annoying, Van's off it? the wall. Have gone. Have gone joint top. So um, that is funny. We need to change that, don't we? So maybe yeah. we will get you in the league actually. Fine. Uh, brilliant. Mate, thank you. Always a pleasure. My favourite hour of the week. And uh, don't forget, whatever happens, the future's bright, the future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football. And I always thought that football was a very important game. But I never realised until today just how important it is.
Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next? We are Blancheflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.